Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. Good to see you today, Joe. Bright and early on a Monday morning. Yes, well, afternoon for me, time zones. Uh, we know how that works. And uh, Sean, I'm hoping that your house is not hacked. It seems like this uh, Vegas hack thing uh, we can talk about in a little bit has been going on forever. You know, I just feel like it's been in, you know, nor- normally things are only in the news cycle for like 24 hours. This one feels like uh, it keeps coming back. Yeah, I think it's been going on so long that people are bored of it already uh, because there's like no more, you know, crazy videos or uh, people complaining anymore. I think people have just accepted it. It's getting a little better, but it has been a wild week. We can talk, you know, a little bit more in the show about it. And we did a whole MTM Vegas episode too specifically talking about that because it wasn't just MGM, it was Caesars and uh, just anybody who's interested in hotels and travel, I think would be interested in what happened and uh, what we may be seeing with these travel companies going forward as they're subject to these types of attacks and your data and all of that. So uh, maybe that's worth talking about a little bit later. I also want to talk about my frontier status a little bit later because a lot has happened in my airline status world in the last week, Joe, and I'm very excited. The reasons that some people will probably roll their eyes but I, I feel like Hyatt, AA, and Frontier just all lined up perfectly to take care of me for the next year and a half. Yes, yes. It's hitting all of the uh, Sean's positive triggers. So that, that's, always, that's always good to hear. Yeah, I mean, it is. I don't know. I guess it's that time of year. It's like the fall. We're like getting into Q4 and stuff like that and rounding out the year. And that's like the perfect time to think about your status for the next year and things like that. In terms of Q4, are you like, how's reselling looking for you? I know Q4 is always a crazy time. Yeah, it's been strange because we traveled so much this year. And so things were sort of shuttered. So we're trying to get back into the, to the flow of stuff. So we've basically been up and running the last month and a half, two months, sending stuff in, selling, uh, and you sort of build up towards, you know, the fourth quarter. Things are a little different with Amazon because you have storage restrictions. So you have to be more strategic. You can't just send in a bunch of stuff. You know, you have to be able to send in some of everything to try to sell it. And so it'll be interesting year, but we are trying to like downsize our collection, I think, our reselling business. So we're going to be probably for the first time selling more than we buy this year, which will be interesting, but still going to get some credit cards and be strategic. So all of the spend basically is helping me meet signup bonuses. And this is a good time for people out there too, to start looking at your credit card strategy for the next couple months, especially if you're looking into buyers groups or things with those sorts of opportunities, because there generally is a lot of spend available, whether it not be on gift card deals, merchandise deals, uh, stuff like that, if you're into that sort of thing. Or some people just like to spend money on Christmas presents. Now you can hit sign up bonuses doing that, although not quite as lucrative. Yes, buying presents. I made a like resolution to myself that I would see things that I thought were like worth buying and like get them during the year, but I've thus far failed. Um, so I need to, I need to, I need to get on that before, you know, it gets to be too late. You know, one thing, Sean, I've never really thought about, I feel like in this miles and points world, you know how like a lot of people will give trips as a present. I feel like in our world, just because we, through miles and points travel more often. I just feel like it's not something that is done as much. Whereas, you know, I feel like maybe amongst more normal people, they'll give gifts of travel uh, more often. So are you saying that travel hackers are so cheap that even though they have free travel that they could give to people, they do it less than the people who pay to give somebody a a gift of a trip? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Or that we're just like so spoiled 
I guess that it's like it's not like a Christmas present worthy thing, holiday present worthy thing to be like, oh, I'm going to take you on a trip or whatever. Yeah, I can see that. One time I tried to get my brother a trip uh, for his birthday to go see the Packers and the Vikings play. He's a big Vikings fan. I'm a huge Packers fan. And he found a way not to go because of his family things. And so I pulled that off the table. So I learned my lesson the hard way, Joe, about offering trips to people and trying to do that. Of course, I've taken my dad on a lot of trips, but I don't know that I have much of a choice in that. You know, that's not more of a gift. It's just you got to spend time with them while you can, as you know, uh, taking trips, making those memories. So, yeah, I didn't mean that. That sounded way worse than I meant. I just meant it wasn't nope, like, I get oh, it. Here, I mean, here's we're your birthday trip. generation. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, thinking the I feel like the other thing with trips and I've always found it weird because like, how do you even know if you're giving someone a trip? Like if you're giving, I guess one thing people always do is like, they're like, oh, we're going to somehow like surprise the kids on Christmas that they're going to Disney world next year or whatever. That, that makes sense, right? Because the kids, they're not in control of their own schedule. However, if you gift, give the gift of travel to like an adult, they have their own lives. And a lot of people, especially in our community, like I would never, for example, well, I know we don't exchange gifts, but if we exchanged gifts, Sean, there would be no point in me buying you any kind of travel or via miles and points because it's like, you like the way you book your own travel and why would why would i do that so you know when you're dealing with adults it's kind of like you know even if it's like someone you're dating or something like that i i just feel it's it's like don't buy me a puppy i would possibly love to have a puppy but i need to be mentally committed to getting a puppy before i mean that's probably way more work than a week of travel but i don't know we probably sound so privileged right now but it, it just it, ne it never made sense to me giving the gift of travel I do accept gifts of Hyatt points for anybody who wants to do that. That kind of helps me book my own things and I can still uh, accept the gifts. But I, to your point, Joe, like I wonder when young people like a travel hacker, somebody who's figured this out, meets somebody who's not that and you're starting a relationship and sort of the weirdness of that. Maybe it's amazing and, you know, you find the right person who wants to travel, but maybe somebody thinks it's weird or, you know, there's those people that think what you do is shady just because you have so many miles of points or you're doing something wrong. So I feel like, you know, both of us were already married and sort of came into this already in a relationship. So I wonder what the dynamic is for somebody who's young, who meets somebody who has no kind of uh, entry into this world. And, you know, they're flying all over the place. Although I imagine it's probably impressive to some people where you can say, let me take you on a business class flight to, fl to Paris right now. And, you know, let's go drink champagne under the Eiffel Tower or something that that sounds romantic. What was that? Actually? Ted Lasso spoilers season three, but there was a term for that where you're like buying lavish gifts for your partner or whatever. Uh, I won't get into spoilers too much. I think the other interesting thing is, or what that reminds me of Sean, and then we can move on is I don't remember if you saw it, but I used to see this commercial on JetBlue Like every time I flew it, it was for the Barclays JetBlue card. And the premise was because of all the points you earn, you can like take a trip with someone you've not been dating for a long time. And then it was just all these awkward situations because they weren't sure of like, it's like one room or two rooms and like stuff like that throughout the whole thing. And because of the points, and I'm just bringing that up because that commercial annoyed me quite a bit. And I'm sure it annoyed other people. Although it was funny like the first time, but you know, when you see the same commercial on the airplane, like a million times, because you fly that plane so much, which I think, you know, I know this wasn't first on our list, but I feel like this is a good segue frontier status match 
you know, whatever ads they have, if they even have in-flight entertainment. Uh, Sean, are you going to be seeing some more Frontier ads in your future? Do they have in-flight entertainment? They used to, actually. Frontier used to have screens on all of their planes. If you remember, before they switched to being a low-cost carrier, they were one of the first. But I want to go back to the subject of ads on airplanes, because that pisses me off. When you're flying on Cathay Pacific or any airline, because there's so many that have them, and then you got to watch five or ten minutes of ads before your movie. Now, you know, Air Canada had ads on all the screens that played for like ten minutes around the safety video, and you had to watch them. It wasn't even when you started a movie. Like, I'm buying, I'm on your airplane. Don't make me watch ads for a long period of time. I don't know. I never thought that was cool, especially when you're flying like Cathay Pacific International First Class. And you, I get it's the same system for first class versus economy, but it, it just seems weird that you're being bombarded with ads and there's more and more of that. I know people complain about the credit card pitches, but now you're getting ads just about everywhere. Hey, they got to squeeze every dollar out. And I got to admit to you, Sean, that on Qantas, I think I mentioned Qantas had this very emotional, made me choked up every single time ad that they would play before their shows. And, you know, you may recall that my wife was sitting in business and I was sitting in premium economy. So we didn't talk much during the flight, but we had seen we had seen that ad already in our uh, New Zealand to Australia flight. And I got off the plane and I watched it like every single time. So I watched and, you know, I was watching TV shows, not movies. So I watched it like eight, nine times. And, you know, it's just it's just a very emotional, emotionally heavy ad for Qantas. A plus job by whoever designed the ad, by the way. Anyway, I got off the plane and Jess was like, hey, I found out like halfway through you could fast forward through that, which I was like shocked. I was so preconditioned to just watching the ads <laughs> and being forced to watch the ads that I never even tried to fast forward. And she's like, yeah, I tried to fast forward it and it worked. So I started skipping it. So just a PSA out there. There are some airlines that let you fast forward the ads. That reminds me of this one Cathay ad. It was a Hong Kong, I think, public service announcement. And there was this like kid, maybe seven, eight years old, and he made friends with the this old lady who was his neighbor and every day he would go say hi and he would deliver the newspaper. And one day he went there and she wasn't there and he delivered the paper. Then the next day he noticed she wasn't there. Then the third day he noticed she wasn't there. So he goes and knocks on the door and finds out that she had fallen and, you know, they had this bond and then he got the, the paramedics to rescue her and, it was. A, I don't know what the PSA I'm, was I'm, for, I'm, but it was. I'm, I'm waiting to see how this relates to Cathay so Pacific. She survives. No, I think it was like a local, you know, public service announcement in Hong Kong that Cathay was playing. But it was before every video on a flight, you know, and those flights are long. So I probably watched it seven or eight times, and I probably could have fast forwarded through it, but I, I loved it. So that there's a random thing I enjoyed on Cathay Pacific, uh, and I'm glad that he saved her life. It's funny. It's it, it, it is. When they get those emotional hooks into you in an ad, you know, it's you don't have to love it, but you got to respect it uh, when they do that. I bet you, Sean, you haven't checked on your elderly neighbor once since you watched that. So you didn't you didn't learn your lesson from the from the PSA. Yeah, the paper boy didn't teach me well enough, but uh, hopefully I'll do better in the future. So let's talk Frontier. So as you point out, Frontier, ultra low cost carrier. They have really low fares up front. And they basically get you by bag fees, by every, you know, a fee for everything. That's the business model. A lot of people know that. A lot of people know that I've talked about the Frontier status match in, in past years. I think it was a $99 fee and they did a match if you had other status. That had gone away. And then about a week ago, they came out with this promotion that you could buy their 20K status. That's 
you know, their lower tier status. It does get you a free carry-on bag. Um, you can get like a free seat assignment, but it's not the good seats. So it's not a great status at all. Uh, you could buy that for $4.99, which I joked that I was interested in, but I never would buy that for $4.99. Uh, but then later in the week, they came out with their old status match, which was uh, basically you can match from another airline and you can get up to 100K status, which the 100K status, if you don't know, is a great status because it comes with what they call the works bundle. So that's refundability. You can change your flights for free. You get their free stretch seating, which, you know, makes their seats, which can be as low as 28 inch pitch, uh, 32 to 34 inch pitch. So I say that makes it almost like a normal seat on another airline, uh, free bags, carry on and uh, check baggage. And that applies to you and up to eight people on the PNR. So you get it for your entire family. So if you can find a $19 flight, you get everything with that. The problem was that coming into this year, I did not have airline status, Joe. This is the first time in probably eight or nine years Amazing. that yeah, yeah, that I didn't have it. And I always get it not through flying, but through different promotions. I've had status with Alaska, United, Delta, American a bunch of times, quite a few foreign airlines, just by using status matches and going from one to the other and you know parlaying all of that. Uh, but I haven't had any. I had Executive Platinum till the beginning of this year that was gifted from Hyatt before the pandemic. And I lost that. But as we, as a lot of people in the miles and points space know, Hyatt and AA came out last week with a promotion and many Hyatt elites, globalists uh, and explorers got targeted with instant platinum pro status. And then you have to earn a certain amount of loyalty points to keep it going every four months. So I think you can earn as little as 13,000 loyalty points to keep gold and it goes up from there. And then every four months you're on the hamster wheel to earn more and then you can eventually earn the status through 2025. So I was kind of flirting with that. I was going to wait till next month because I think I had till October 12th to sign up for that and I wanted to time it right. But then Frontier came out like a day later with the status match, $149 and Platinum Pro status matches to the 100K to their top tier. So I went to AA did my instant status match, got my instant platinum pro, paid my $149 to, for the frontier status match. And within 24 hours, I had my top tier status good through basically, you know, about 15 months from now. And I have a lot of trips planned and this opens up a lot of stuff for me in Las Vegas because there's so many flights here. I won't be for everybody, but this is one of the best deals in the airline space if you can get it. And hopefully a lot of people out there have the, that platinum pro from the Hyatt AA thing. And if you are in a place with a lot of frontier flights, I, I, I mean, one flight and that 150 bucks you're going to make back. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that works out for you. Frontier, I, does frontier have, they must have like a flight from Boston to Denver, but unfortunately can't take advantage of that. You know, sometimes I wish other airlines would do things like this just good. I mean, I feel like the point of doing these things is to get you to try their airlines and worst case scenario, they get some extra of your business. Uh, best case scenario, you know, you fly them one extra time than you would normally. So I think it's good business on their part. Can't wait to make fun of you for being a frontier stand. Again, just when I saw the news, I was just so excited that this was happening so that I could make fun of you once again for loving frontier. Now, I, I'm curious to hear in terms of like how you feel like this is going to work out financially for you. Do you feel like you're going to save money overall or maybe spend a little bit more but get what you feel like is a better deal? You know, where, where are you at with all this? It really opens up a lot for me. And this is why I say, you know, look what city you're in. First off, a lot of people love to hate on Frontier and the experience. I've flown them dozens of times. I've talked about it on the show. I'm not saying that they don't have bad 
things, but I've had worse experience with every AA flight the last year and a half with delays and stuff. It's really anecdotal and any airline can sort of screw you with delays and operational issues. Uh, I have an insurance policy that does make me feel a little bit more comfortable because I can just rebook another flight if there is an issue with Frontier stranding me. But basically, we've seen Southwest have meltdowns. Every airline has problems like this, and I haven't found Frontiers to be any worse. Uh, So I just want to say that. And then, yeah, financially, I've started to like look at trips that maybe I wasn't. Like, for example, I want to go to San Antonio for the weekend, maybe in November, December, $40 round trip for us to go, all of our bags, seats, everything included. Uh, We can get to LA, San Francisco, San Diego, $19 each way. So, you know, about $40 round trip. You know, Florida going down to Orlando, $29 one way, those sorts of flights. So it just makes it so cheap that you wouldn't even think about using miles and points for the redemption. And like I said, the seats are, you know, not the most padded, but none of the new planes have heavily padded seats anymore. And if you get in that stretch seating, you're getting 32 to 34 inches of legroom, unless you're in an exit row, which you get even more, but with a kid can't really do that. But the experience is fine. And it's something I highly recommend to people if you have the opportunity to do it and you think you could do it. Just remember bag fees are you know often $50, $60 per person. So just in that one flight, you're going to save. And just as an example, I can fly to Chicago for the Chicago seminars in a few weeks. And the only problem is Midway. So I'm debating whether I want to do this because Midway seems like it's a little bit out of the way you know, compared to obviously O'Hare for this convention. But I can fly for $39 one way. The next cheapest ticket in cash is $199 on American or United. And then again, I'm going to have the leg room and the seats and everything else. That's some real world savings. And it's why you should consider it. There are people I know who think this is a good deal, Joe, who will not say it out loud because they're afraid to get the blowback. But if I have to be the frontier guy, I will. Uh, But I just want to point out, it, it does open up a lot of cool things and you should take a look at it and determine if you like it. There was a guy on Twitter fighting with me about how terrible Frontier is, saying that he'll take his first-class food and first-class service in Delta, to which I said, I don't remember Delta's any airline and domestically serving first-class food. But And he said his lounge stuff. And I said, well, you can get the lounges with a credit card, uh, but you know, you can never convince everybody. They're going to want to fight with you. But the point is you're going to pay you know, 3 4x for Delta, and especially with this deal, maybe up to 5 6 7x once you factor in everything. So... Uh, you know, you don't get that first class upgrade, but it's okay. Yeah, I think that totally works. And I'm glad that's going to work out for you guys. I mean, I feel like with your travel schedule, these things are always super beneficial to you. Um, and I, I, I think, yes, I hate on Frontier, but if you are in an airport that services it, I definitely think this is something that's worth at least doing the math on to see if that might make things a little bit better. Now, one thing that people probably don't want to do the math on, all this Delta nonsense, I've kind of like not wanted to read too much about it because I'd be too upset, but they have totally changed how they're going to be earning status, correct? And it's like all on spend now. And on top of that, even despite whatever status you have, you are only going to get like selected or a certain number of access times to the lounge. Like you can't, you can't go to the lounge every single time on your flight. It all seems pretty crazy, Sean. And I don't know if this might be the Delta change that finally gets some blowback for them. Yeah, so American implemented the loyalty points scheme and United has a similar scheme. And uh, it seemed like it was just a matter of time before Delta simplified everything because they had you know mile, uh, medallion qualifying segments, medallion qualifying miles, medallion qualifying dollars. So they had all these different things. And 
you know, you could use the credit cards uh, to, depending on the card you had to bypass the spend requirement on certain status levels and, you know, other ones you had to spend more. It was just very sort of uh, convoluted and complicated, I'd say, but it was pretty good for a lot of people to earn status. They had rollover miles, so you could earn some and roll over to future years in status. They were very generous during COVID in extending the status uh, for people. I've never been a big Delta's flyer, and I just talked about Frontier. It's not because I hate Delta. I've always generally had good experiences with them. They just don't fly for me to a ton of places. So I've never been deep into the SkyMiles ecosystem. But as of now, as you say, only medallion qualifying dollars are going to matter. And that means that you'll earn one MQD for each dollar you spend on your Delta flights. But you can also use the credit cards to earn more MQDs. This is very similar to Americans' loyalty points, except American lets you earn off of the portal, off of all kinds of different stuff to count towards your loyalty points. Delta is making it a little bit more restrictive. Uh, you can earn one MQD for every $10 spent if you use the platinum Delta cards, which are the higher level Delta cards, or twenty one or one MQD for every $20 spent on uh, the lower cards. So uh, basically, if you wanted to get diamond status with spend, you would need to spend 350K, I believe, to get that status. Uh, you would need 35,000 MQDs. So it's not good. It's a devaluation across the board. As you point out, the credit cards that had lounge access, they're restricted to Delta cards uh, to 10 lounge access visits, the, the regular platinum cards, six, I think. So uh, they're restricting that as well. It's just Delta doing what they do. They see what others are doing and being successful at, and then they're taking an approach that's more generous to themselves, I think. A lot of people upset for sure, although I don't know why a lot of people were chasing status. I was talking to quite a few people, and they don't get upgrades often. It seems like there's a ton of Delta elites, especially if you're in a hub. But yeah, this isn't good, but it's also not ex unexpected. Yeah, Mark feels like the only person I talk to who ever gets upgraded on Delta. I think that, you know, the biggest worry is Delta is always the first to do these things, but eventually they don't lose enough market share. I mean, you know, if you're in Atlanta, what are you going to do, right? If you're in Detroit, like, what are you going to do? You kind of, you're mostly stuck, uh, especially if you're a business traveler. Uh, and then I guess for business travelers as well, maybe Delta's counting on the fact that, well, they're just expensing most of their travel anyway. So they're not super worried about this. You know, if they travel enough to hit the MQD limits or whatever to earn the status, like they don't care because it's their company's money. So, of course, just like we worried about it when Delta first went to cents per point for Sky Miles, and then, you know, eventually, for the most part, um, most of the other airlines have moved towards that, maybe not completely one cent per point like Delta is, but uh, in that direction, I think the worry is going to be, again, that that's what happens, that it just kind of seeps its way into the entire U.S. airline loyalty program scheme. This is also another reminder. I, I saw some pretty interesting tweets on the matter. Like I think someone said, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who said what, because I like it's very hard to pay attention to my feed these days. But someone said that Delta is just a credit card company masquerading as an airline company because obviously that like really helps with the MQD stuff. And someone else said that they knew people who live in hubs and are actively looking to switch loyalties. I don't know how much I believe that just because of, you know, it's just kind of reality. And then I, finally, I also saw someone say that like Delta 
people stick with Delta because of the reliability. But really, if you look at the data, it hasn't been that great lately. I haven't checked any of that stuff, but I think it's just interesting that you're hearing way more negative things about Delta, at least in the online space, than you did before this change. Of course, is online reality? I think in many instances, we found out that it has not. So maybe Delta is just going to be just fine. Delta has that brand image, like you see in just about every space, there's that company or brand that just gets away with everything and people just absorb it and they still say how great they are. And Delta is that brand, I think, in the airline industry. Southwest gets a little bit of that, but I feel like a lot of the shine of Southwest sort of wore out during their meltdowns last year. But uh, Delta, yeah, they're not customer friendly. They see themselves as a more premium brand and they don't want to be as generous. Uh, for example, Executive Platinum, you can get that with 200,000 loyalty points or 200K in spend. Uh, this is almost double that in order to get the top level status. And we talked about cutting the lounge benefits. If you have their top tier reserve card, you know you get those 10 lounge visits per year. If you wanna keep it, spend 75K on the card. This is where they're going. They want those people, not the people like us who maximize the spend on their cards, but people who just will blindly use their credit cards, they're going to make $6.5 billion off their credit cards this year. And we talked, I think, last week on the show about how they want to grow that. That's exactly what, what they're doing. You know, they're, as you said, a credit card company. They're pushing this. Everything is going to be to drive that. But don't expect them to be overly generous uh, like we saw. And then, unfortunately, they're probably going to push the other airlines to be less generous, like American maybe raising their uh, requirements or changing the way uh, some things credit as far as the loyalty points, because they do allow you to earn them in many different ways, which is very nice. So this is just not good for the uh, people who love status. I saw a lot of pieces from, you know, Delta loyalists or people in the space finally saying, stop chasing status. It's time to stop chasing status. Uh, you know, this is something that I've been saying for a long time. As I talked about Frontier, I love the status, but I didn't fly the 100K miles to get it. I've done this over and over. I'll take the status when I can get it uh, without a huge amount of opportunity, but I'm not going to keep flying an airline blindly. It just doesn't make sense. There's too many airlines, too many routes. I don't want to fly the same airline every time. And in the big three, you know, I'm always going to basically connect. So I would, you know, just stop being loyal to these airlines blindly unless you really are getting a ton of benefit. And I think if most people looked at the dollars and cents, they're paying more with Delta are you really getting those elite upgrades? Are you getting enough upgrades to justify the money you're spending extra on tickets to fly Delta? Sure, it's going to be yes for some people, but for most people, probably not. And Delta deserves the shade. I don't think they care, and I don't think they'll uh, hurt too much from it. But I think people in this space, people who follow miles and points and want you know a good deal, a lot of the sort of plays you could do with Delta, especially with rollovers and stuff, are gone. Time to move on from them. I'll be curious whether in five to 10 years, we're saying the same thing about hotel status. I know that already people, you know, like Benji rightfully don't value hotel status. They try to do their best to use a mildnomics term, be their own elite. And I think that's totally fine. However, I still feel like you can point to the value that you find in the hotel status, whether that value counts for the amount you spend for it is different. Um, but I, I just wonder, you know, because like you said, a lot of the thing with the airlines is that there's like so much competition, right? But it still feels like in the hotel world, there's not as much competition. You know, there's still the three, four, five hotel chains. So it'll be interesting to see how the hotel loyalty status game evolves. But at the same time, you know, maybe if people aren't chasing airline status, they got to have something to chase because people, people like chasing status. I mean, I, you and I, in, to some extent, we like chasing status too. So 
we're not any better than anyone else, but it is a fun game to play sometimes. And sometimes people are just doing it for the game. And that's perfectly fine. And everybody who listens to this show knows I pursue and get my Hyatt status the old fashioned way. And I've seen a lot of people shortcut to it, uh, but I just don't want to count on that. And I have gone and figured out that it makes sense to me. I travel enough that it makes sense to me. And so that's the one status. And then if you actually look, sometimes, you know, the value of the status isn't quite evident because like I said earlier, I had three years of executive platinum status gifted to me by Hyatt and AA, and then they just gave me this platinum pro, which led to the frontier status. So sometimes, you know, pursuing status in one area leads to something else, uh, which is not something you can count on, but it's always nice when it happens. So there's, as you say, it's, uh, it's just about looking at it and making sure that it makes sense for you and doing that. Uh, and that's a good way to go. And that's what this hobby is about anyway. Don't blindly be loyal to any company. They're not blindly loyal to you. Except Miles to Memories. Ka-ching! Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk Vegas really quick. Uh, the hacks for sure MGM brought to their knees last week. And it was insane. I highly recommend the MTM Vegas video. There's a standalone video on the channel, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories where Mark and I talk about all the details of it. Both Caesars and MGM were hacked in the last few weeks. Caesars allegedly paid $15 million in ransom uh, to unlock their systems. MGM decided to not do it. And according to the hackers who sort of called MGM out on a public forum, they basically shut down all their own systems. And if you didn't hear, I mean, there was crazy news coverage, as you said, Joe, but uh, this meant everything from like hotel elevators to you know, room keys, their entire rewards program, all of their reservations, uh, their slot machines were offline for most of the time. And then when they were brought back online, there's no ticket system. So you have to get a hand pay for even the least amount of money. Uh, some estimates are they're losing four to $8 million a day. As we record this, they're on day eight and they've extended cancellations through September 24th if you want to cancel for free. So that indicates we're probably about another week out uh, they haven't confirmed that it's a ransomware attack, but like I said, the hackers have claimed responsibility. Uh, it's a Russian hacking group, one of the best apparently in the world. And uh, it's insane to see this company, 28 properties all around the U.S., brought to their knees in every part of their business from operations. Like I said, elevators, they had to have employees with walkie-talkies because the elevators were breaking down so much. Aria, I don't know if you know, they have the electronic light controls on their little tablet in their room. Well, they had to call down so people could manually turn on and off the lights because the server behind that was down. Uh, like I said, some of it's coming back up already, but it was a mess. Not to mention handwritten check-ins, four-hour check-in lines, reports of people being given duplicate rooms and no really control of access. When this is all said and done, I think a lot of lessons will be learned, not just in the gaming space, but in the hospitality industry as a whole because... This brought them completely to their knees. It's sort of insane. Yeah, that is pretty scary, especially, you know, with so much money involved with the gambling and all that. I do think that, I mean, you see TV shows and movies about this all the time, right? Like people being hacked and then, you know, do you pay the ransomware people or do you get someone who's like a good counter hacker or whatever? And I mean, it's scary that they can do these to hotels you would like to think that they probably are not targeting individuals they're more like you know didn't they post some letter or something that that declared their noble intentions or whatever like you you'd think that probably they are just trying to squeeze money out of these big corporations but at the same time it's like scary especially if like you're on a trip 
you know, I saw pictures of the check-in lines and it was like crazy because like all the systems were down and stuff like that. And so it is, it's just kind of a scary world that we live in. And hopefully, I mean, they're targeting casinos because there's more money there, but you know that like they could target, <laughs> you know, we've talked about the high Regency Chicago before, which has like 2000 something rooms. You know, if there's a huge convention there, um, you could see hackers targeting that or something like that. I don't know about you, Sean, though. I've already like kind of made peace with the fact that someone out there has my information. I don't worry, famous last words, too much about identity theft just because I don't know what I can do about it at this point. I mean, because if they can bring down, you know, these multi-million dollar companies, like what is friggin' what, what, f- fair lock? No, not fair lock. Life lock? Like what's life lock going to do for me? Except for get me 10,000 miles or whatever the deal was, you know, back when we all signed up for it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say LifeLock. I did it earlier this year uh, with a 90% back, I think, uh, using membership rewards. So it basically equated to 100% back with the Schwab cash out. So I, I did that because then they have insurance and stuff. I mean, I don't, I never really paid for it going forward, but there are some considerations because a lot of your data is being leaked. Uh, I've checked, recently checked one of my main email addresses has been the subject in 21 different data breaches. Uh, Caesars confirmed that social security numbers and driver's licenses were leaked as part of their hack. They say based on their $15 million ransom, even though they didn't confirm they paid it, that the hackers said they're not going to release that information. But in their statement of the SEC, they said there's really no way they can guarantee that. We don't know what was stolen from MGM, but imagine it's all of your personal information, credit card number. Uh, there were some reports of some fraudulent charges on credit cards. So we don't know quite what the hackers' intentions were. I don't know. I would call them noble. But generally, they're trying to use the data that they gather through the hacks to basically blackmail the companies into paying them so that they don't release the data, which opens up the companies to lawsuits and and everything else like that. What's really crazy is the hack with MGM apparently happened with a 10 minute phone call to an IT desk. And basically the way these come, the way these hackers often get access is they'll go to LinkedIn. They'll get the information about a person, use previous data hacks to get more information about them. And then they'll impersonate them talking to IT and then they'll get the password or somehow get into the system and then it all falls apart from there. The hackers called MGM out, basically saying MGM shut down their own systems. They saw the hackers inside, freaked out and started shutting everything down. It makes you think, did MGM maybe not need to go through all this pain uh, if there was another way out of it? I don't know, but they do have the top researchers there. So it's a crazy story, but I think, you know, like I said, the hospitality industry as a whole has to have their eyes wide open as to this happens. And coincidentally, I did. I guess you didn't watch it, but the morning show came back this week. And in the second episode, the storyline was a, a cyber attack with a ransomware attack. So it was exactly what's happening at MGM uh, on the morning show the same week that it happened, which was kind of interesting. I do not watch that show. It's been on my list for a long time to check it out. It, it, so art imitates life, I guess, uh, or life imitates art since that, that was uh, written long before pay the writers, by the way. I think that, you know, it's just it's just crazy to think about uh, like all these things we have to worry about now that honestly probably were happening 20 years ago, but just not on a scale that we could understand and also not in a way that, you know, I think the thing about the Internet is like the these stories and the news um, just gets out so fast and it's just kind of crazy. But it's a fun story to, I guess, look at from afar. But, you know, hopefully those that are affected are, you know, not too adversely affected and just inconvenience and not something worse than that. I do not think that they could have, I don't know, you, you just can't pay, 
you can you pay i don't i'm always do you negotiate with hostage take i mean do you negotiate with terrorists i i, I don't know it's, it's always tough that's why i do not get paid the big bucks to make these kinds of decisions yeah i had read some researchers basically saying that if you do pay the ransom, generally the the hackers leave you alone and they follow through with what they do. Uh, this person put it at quote unquote is uh, if they didn't do that, it sort of collapses their business model because they need to be able to be trusted that they're going to give you back the data. Uh, but there's arguments both sides, whether to pay or not pay. Uh, sometimes there's insurance. Uh, in Caesar's case, their insurance covered it, apparently, according to Bloomberg. So MGM, we don't know what they have or what they decided to do. But as of this day, it doesn't seem like they paid one other uh, Vegas-related story, Fountain Blue has announced officially their opening date, which will be in December 13th of 2023. That's that giant building that everybody who's been to Vegas for the last 15 years has seen. So I feel like everybody, whether you go re a lot or you came once, uh, that's that big blue building on the north end of the Strip. Started construction, I believe, in 2008, and it will officially open in December after almost 16 years. And their website's up. You can book now. Rates, I think, starting at $500 on the weekend, $200 midweek. This is going to be a higher-end property. If you've been to Cosmo, it should be sort of the modern version of Cosmo, very similar to the Fountain Blue in Miami, same owners. So very much looking forward to this, another sort of five-star, or uh, hopefully five-star property on the Las Vegas Strip. We'll see. I know nothing about that, but hopefully someone benefited from that information. Well, you've seen the building, right? You've seen the building, I have Joe. seen the building. Yes, yes, yes. So I, but the, the word Fontaine, Fontainebleau means nothing to me. Like that company. Oh, don't start that now. Start, you know how many times on YouTube people will come in and say, it's not pronounced Fontainebleau. It is pronounced Fontainebleau. It's spelled like the French city, Fontainebleau. But, and I didn't say that right either, but it's, it's pronounced Fontainebleau. Sometimes things can have a spelling one way and, and a proper pronunciation one way. The hotel in Miami has been there since 1954 called Fontainebleau. This one is too. Uh, so don't, don't get all the trolls on me, Joe, because you can see I'm already defensive because I've gotten called out yeah. so many times. And the people like spell, spell it out Mike phonetically. Krzyzewski. Spell Mike Krzyzewski. <laughs> Boom. Checkmate. Yeah, no. uh, we got time for one stupid story. Sure. Do you see there's a bear in Magic Kingdom, like an actual bear hanging out in Frontierland by the country bears? Um, and so they had to shut down like half the park until they peacefully and safely uh, worked with Florida wildlife and whatever to uh, remove the bear. But it's just so funny. Like imagine being a cast member and walking or just any job really that involves you being outside and you're just walking in and then you're like, what's that noise? And you just see this bear sitting in a tree like I would freak out. I saw a report of that this morning, but I didn't see the follow-up to it. Were there pictures? Did anybody ever post an actual picture of the bear inside the park? I haven't seen a picture yet, but I actually have clients in Magic Kingdom today. And so they texted me. They're like, funny story. We rope dropped and we knocked out all of Tomorrowland and the whole right side of the park. And then we couldn't figure out why we couldn't get into Frontierland and Adventureland. And, you know, shut down like 10 rides. Um, I mean, it didn't shut down the 10 rides, but, you know, for safety, they cordoned off that whole entire area until it got settled you know imagine being a cast member hopefully i mean i don't know with disney these days but they hopefully let the cast members clock in and you know when you have those kinds of jobs where you're like clocking in and then something goes wrong and you're just chilling and just like hanging out and just um, you know those are some of the best times so I, I hope those cast members had a great day once they were done being frightened by getting attacked by a bear or something it's probably i'm guessing 
they're no grizzly bears in Florida, I don't think. So I, it's probably like a pretty safe bear to be dealt with, hopefully. That's what I was going to say. I don't didn't know there were any bears in Florida, so I didn't realize they had bears down there. But I guess just another critter you got to be aware of uh, with the gators and all the bugs and all the other nonsense going down there. But as you say, yes, those are the best days. I remember working in a call center, and every once in a while the power would go out, and it was like a party. You would think that people would be mad that the power is out, but that just meant we didn't have to be on the phones. So we could all party it up and uh, enjoy it, and then we'd all be sad when the power came back on and we had to do our jobs. And you'd usually have an hour and a half worth of people in the queue because you know, they were all waiting because nobody was answering the phones while the power was out. So that and fire drills were always fun, too, because you got to take got to play hooky and go outside. Uh, what happens in a yeah when it's a call center and it's a fire drill? I guess you know the people who are on hold they don't know that like they they just think they're on hold because there's a lot of people calling or whatever. You got to actually stop the call. Like the alarm will go off. You say we're having a fire drill, or usually you'll know that it's going to be a drill, so you can tell them I can either put you on hold or I can call you back, uh, and then you would just leave. And yeah, people on hold would just sit there, and the line would keep growing and growing until we got back inside and did it. Amazing. Yeah, and then also throw in a five-minute rule, Zach Morris five-minute rule for when you know a sub doesn't show up in a class. That's always the best. Every time I pass, hopefully no one's listening, but uh, every time I pass by a class that obviously doesn't have a teacher and like their sub didn't show up or they didn't be assigned a sub, like I don't completely ignore it, like a completely delinquent teacher, but I do go in and I'd be like, you know, I, I just look at them. And be like, basically, you know, basically I look at them and I'm like, if you guys aren't loud enough to cause someone to need to send a sub, then I'm just walking over to my room and I'll see you later. And, uh, you know, I think the kids really enjoy that. Although these days, they're probably just on their phones the whole time watching TikTok. Mr. Chung is the best. Letting them all hang out with no subs. And, well, they, yeah, they probably make TikTok videos. God knows what you do uh, in a free period yeah, like that. That's true. I, I, you know, you, <laughs> you know why? You don't tell the admin that a class needs a sub because then you'll be the sub. Okay. That's, this is why <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just right. joking. So, you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy to look after class, but uh, yeah. So that's always great when your sub doesn't come in um, or sometimes like in college, if a teacher professor doesn't show up five minutes, you're out. People probably don't even know what the five minute rule is from Zach Morris or who Zach Morris is sad. Saved by the bell, baby. That's uh Perfect 90s television, if I do say so myself. All right, one last thing to close out with. The quarter, the fourth quarter categories are out for Freedom, Discover, and Dividend. And like I said, you know, start figuring out your strategy for the fourth quarter on hitting your cards. I know a lot of people have multiple Freedoms, multiple Discover cards. And it's nice because they're spread out pretty well. Uh, Freedom, fourth quarter, PayPal, Wholesale Clubs, and that's it. PayPal and Wholesale Clubs. So that's going to be Costco, Sam's Club, stuff like that. But PayPal opens it you up to a lot of different possibilities through online payments, uh, all kinds of shopping opportunities, sometimes gift cards, things like that. Discover is Amazon.com and Target. So I feel like that's a nice sort of thing for all your holiday shopping. And also for buyers groups, Amazon.com can be really good as well. And then Dividend is going to be grocery stores, which is another good one. So I feel like you have a nice balance between the three of them in the fourth quarter. Although I don't know anybody who has a dividend card anymore, but I guess we'll, we'll still talk about it because that card has not been available for quite a long time. And even my last dividend card is long gone. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny that they're still like 
paying attention to it at all and still release because normally you would expect them to convert it to another card or something but you know it's just going strong i i think technically doesn't the barclays arrival card still exist if you had it or did they convert that over you know it's just funny these cards that like used to be such a big thing back in the day and they still exist but they're just like dinosaurs that haven't gone extinct yet yeah the arrival plus card is still going strong for people who have it which is just a 2x everywhere basic travel eraser card with a 95 dollars annual fee i actually still have one and i shouldn't still have it because there's really no reason to but i've i've kept it going there so i i probably need to clean that up uh but yeah it's the dividend i i mean it's got to have been six seven years i don't know when the last time they they had that it was interesting because you could earn your maximum cash back for the year in any quarter. So you didn't have to go by quarter by quarter like you do with Freedom or Discover. That was always the nice thing. So you could do it all in grocery stores, for instance, in the fourth quarter. I'd like to see more of that. But I feel like with the double cash, they sort of just went away from this model and and, and went with it. But always nice to look at that. Planning for fourth quarter, maybe we'll do a more in-depth show uh, coming uh, early October sometime, talking more about getting ready for that and all the stuff to do. In the meantime, uh, Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As Joe Flies all over social media. If you're looking to plan a Disney or other related trip in 2024 with cash, obviously not if you're using miles and points, hit me up, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. What about you, Sean? At Miles to Memories all over social media. If you're into Vegas stuff, also on X or Twitter at MTM Vegas. That's where I'm tweeting specifically about Las Vegas stuff at Miles to Memories on Twitter for all of the miles and points stuff. That got a little confusing, I think, because I had people following me everywhere for different things. I just want to make sure that you get the kind of content you're looking for. And I'm not going to mention this on every show, but we do have a new MTM Vegas Patreon, which is just for exclusive after shows, specifically Vegas related. Patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. Of course, the Miles Points Diamond Lounge is still going at patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. So much stuff going on, but uh, we do uh, have that new Patreon for the Vegas stuff. If you're into that, five bucks a month, you get all the exclusive content behind the scenes with me and Mark, who used to co-host the show. But everything you want to find, milestomemories.com, the longest plug ever. Joe is rolling his eyes at me. So it's time to go. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye. And also, I was going to say Mark Unfiltered for $5 a month. Worth it. All right. See (laughs) y'all. There you go. Bye.